This is a Discovery Church podcast. Every heart found in Jesus' story. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, we pray that this message brings you deep encouragement. If you would like to get involved in the life of our church, head over to discoverychurch.com.au or check out our social media or YouTube channel. to the 11 o'clock service. Everyone's always nice and wide awake in this service, which is good. You guys are like here, ready for the Word. I'm looking forward to launching the series today. I feel like Matt just stole pretty much my whole introduction though, so I can probably just skip the first few pages. But um, it's true, life is full and busy. I don't know, I don't know if it's because Remember, remember, if you could cast your mind back to the start of last year, we were still in restrictions and we didn't, the, it, last year wasn't a normal start to the year, but this is the first start full year that we've had in a number of years now. And it feels like um, everything that was ever in the calendar is now back in. And if you felt oversubscribed before COVID, you're probably feeling oversubscribed now again, even though you were probably one of those people like me that said, I'm definitely not putting all those things back in the calendar. I, um, I don't know if you've ever had the experience I had this week. We have like the big family calendar up on the fridge, or actually on the side of the fridge. And it's the one that you glance at to just know where people are every day. Who's where, who needs to be picked up, who's got soccer training, who's got whatever, what's happening, who's out, which nights. And I went to write something on one of the days this week and the square was already totally full. I had to go down the side and up the corner and then put arrows so that everybody knows which day that was supposed to be attached to. But it is life's full and busy. The other thing is um, we do not exist in isolation, do we? Our lives are made up of a whole vast interconnected web of relationships. We don't do life on our own or in a vacuum. And you have relationships, I have relationships, whatever that looks like for you in your stage and season of life, whether it's friendships, whether it's marriage, whether it's a partner, whether it's a family, family above, family below, family all around you, whatever your season and stage of life, we do life with people, we're social beings. And our relationships can be complex. They're not always neat and tidy and and, and going along well, actually more often than not, we have some challenges there and they can be exhausting and hard sometimes and a bit messy because we can be a bit messy. Um, I was having a little bit of a think about um, that this week because the, one of the challenges for us is when we have really busy lives and then we have all of these relationships and people in our world that we're trying to do life with all of that together can sometimes be, sometimes what can happen is, sometimes without even realising, uh, we're in the flurry of life and activity and we start passing each other like ships in the night and we're getting the stuff done, but we're not actually connecting with one another or looking at each other face to face or getting to that deep level in our friendships, in our relationships, in our families where we're actually connecting at a heart level and seeing each other and really knowing each other and being able to see what's really going on in our world. And so we wanted to take a pause in, um, in, in um, this time of the year and with this series just to invite you to consider how your relationships are. And so I wanna ask you that question this morning. Uh, how are the relationships in your world right now? Because sometimes the, that slow drift, we start to become disconnected from one another or we're not showing up in those relationships the way we used to and that drift can happen slowly and subtly. So how are the relationships in your world right now? I asked myself that this question this week and I thought, well, you know what? I can be really thankful because some of my relationships are going great. I feel like they're really thriving. There's a lot of life there. 
But then I thought, well, you know what? I also have some relationships in my world where I just feel like I'm not investing what I would like to be and they're not quite where I would hope them to be. And then I've also got some other relationships in my world where I'm holding a lot of grief and there's tension there and there's disconnect and there are some things that are unresolved and yet to be reconciled and that's hard. And so I just understand that coming into the room today, I'm, unless, you're, unless all of your relationships are perfect and it's just me, but my hunch would be that perhaps for you too, maybe there are some going great, but maybe there are others where there's some tension and it's feeling strained. And you're wondering, how is this gonna be resolved and how am I gonna see any kind of breakthrough and restoration here? I just wanna say that's okay. And I'm really confident that this in this series that... Um, God wants to invite us to a bigger story because he has a vision for our relationships that's even bigger than our own. And his vision is to see relationships that are healthy, friendships that are healthy, marriages that are healthy, families that are healthy, communities that are healthy. And he is pretty good at doing whatever it takes to to see his purposes and good plans come about in our lives. And so um, I'm excited that we get to get up on the balcony because how many people know there are loads of things in our culture uh, that are set up to tear our relationships apart, to tear marriages apart, to tear families apart. You don't have to look very far to see the challenges and the obstacles. And we're also in a spiritual battle, guys, aren't we? And do you know what the enemy hates the most? Healthy relationships, because he knows if he can disconnect us from one another, then he gains the, the foothold there and the power there. But when relationships are healthy, uh, that's actually a really powerful force for the kingdom. And so it's important that we guard our hearts against that and that we're aware that that's happening. But we get to get up on the balcony and you know the obstacles and the challenges are really obvious. I feel like they're in our faces all the time. But I feel like God's inviting us in this series to see the opportunity to create life in our relationships, to create health, to create wholeness, to partner with Him what He's doing. And so that that multiplies and flows out through us into the people in our world and in our community, in our region. And so that's our prayer. And so that's what we're gonna be exploring over the next um, few weeks, you know. Life with Jesus is not a promise of a perfect life by any stretch. Let me just say that, it's messy. Storms come, things don't always go according to plan, we know that, but when we have an opportunity to be invited into a kingdom life and when we're anchored in a community of faith, it makes a huge difference. So today, we're gonna start at the very beginning and just paint some broad brush strokes and hopefully set a course for where we're gonna go over the next few weeks. And uh, we're gonna start with the foundation. Are any builders here this morning? Oh, one, I feel like... Our church is full of tradies and today all the builders have stayed home. They've watched online. But any good builder, Pete, won't they? Any good builder will tell you that a solid foundation is the key to a strong and lasting faith that goes the distance or a strong and lasting house that goes the distance, right? If the foundation is good and if the foundation is solid, then you're set up for a win. And so that's where we're gonna start today. Um, When I was a little girl, I used to spend a lot of time at my nan's house and uh, my sister and I would play a game and when she would look after us in the school holidays and we would get her tape measure out. And um, if you've heard me tell stories before, you know I love a good competition. We used to put Nan's tape measure down the middle of the lounge room. She had that awesome orangey brown motley 70s carpet. It was great. And it was very flat, perfect for building houses of cards. 
Did anybody used to build card houses when you were little? So we used to have half of the, half of the room each, three decks of cards each. And the competition was who could build the biggest, most elaborate house of cards and whose would stand the longest. Now, the only thing, you, you weren't allowed to cross the line with your physical body, so you couldn't push the other person's house down, but there was no rules against trying to blow their house down. <laughs> so it used to get fairly heated, just saying, but... Um, I don't know if you, if you remember doing that. Maybe you didn't build card houses, but it, th- it seems like building houses is a, a, a childhood experience that most of us share, whether you did it with Lego or maybe you liked building blanket forts or we used to put all the blankets over the dining room table and camp out there. The kids did that in COVID, actually. It turned our whole upstairs into a blanket fort for about three months. Oh, it was a time. But... Um, Maybe you had a tree house or a cubby house, I don't know, but as I read scripture, what I notice is there are so many stories in scripture that are building stories, where there's houses and building materials and building concepts and building principles. And I don't know if you've ever wondered why that is, but um, Jesus, remember he was a person before he started ministering and preaching and healing. Well, he was a person then too, but before that, he had a whole life. And what was his trade? That's right, he was, he was like the OG tradie. Jesus was a carpenter he was a, and he was a second gen carpenter. So his dad was a carpenter. So he grew up in Joseph's tool shed, probably walking around with his little version of a tool belt and a hammer and hammering nails into things he shouldn't have been hammering nails into and all the things that you do when you're little. But it's no surprise that Jesus would tell stories based on these ideas of building because that was his lived experience. That's what he knew about. So it would make sense to him. It would would have made sense in the day and age that um, this story that I wanna share with you comes to us in today. But Jesus was born to build. But his primary project was not to build just physical houses. His primary project was to build the majesty and the splendor of a living temple for God. And he does it through building his, the lives of his children, through the lives of his people, which is you and I. So he is building something and wanting to build something in and through your life. It's a masterpiece. And he's fashioning you and he's fashioning me and he's fashioning our families and our relationships to reflect his image and to reflect his glory. And so the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Words to Build a Life On. This is all in the app for you too. You can, you can grab the notes there too, but Words to Build a Life On. And I wanna share a story with you from Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29. It's a story that you might be familiar with. Um, But this story comes as a culmination to a whole bunch of teaching um, and lessons and truths that Jesus had just been teaching his disciples. And it all culminates with this passage of scripture. I'm gonna read it to you in the NIV and then I'm gonna also read it to you in the message because I love the language there. But it says this, therefore anyone who hears these words of mine, can everybody say these words? These words. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. 
because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Listen to it in the message, he says it this way. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They're foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a foolish carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowds burst into applause. They'd never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching that they'd ever heard. You know, it doesn't take much for a house of cards to fall over, does it? And in, in this passage of scripture, Jesus uses this phrase, uh, everyone who hears these words of mine. And uh, the, the previous chapters of this scripture, chapter four, Jesus starts his public ministry. He calls his first disciples and then chapters five, six, and seven, which is gonna be your homework this week to have a little read through, are like three solid chapters of Jesus teaching kingdom principles for how to live his way in the world. Any everyday life scenario you could imagine yourself in, whether it's in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, with your finances, dealing with difficult people, legal matters, work, what happens when, you've, when you're struggling with anger, anything you could think of, Jesus teaches them about it and has a kingdom truth for it. And so he spent three chapters setting up this is how to live my way in the world. This is how to navigate this situation. This is what you do when you're faced with this. When you're having a difference with somebody, here's how to settle it. This is how to be, live my way in the world. And so it all comes to a, to a culmination with this scripture that we just read. And so the big idea that Jesus is communicating to them is that building our lives on the firm foundation of his teaching is the thing that sets us up to weather life's challenges. And it invites us to experience health and life and wholeness, even when storms and challenges and those things come, because they will come. But when your foundation is solid, you can be confident that you will make it through to the other side. Now, most of us in the room, this is, might sound really basic to you. We're doing 101 today, because most of us in the room, if you're following Jesus, you would say, yes, that's right. If I build my life on the solid foundation of Jesus' truth, that's a good thing. Yes, yes, I agree with you, Jodes, I'm doing that. And most of us would probably say, even on quick self-assessment, if you just did a quick scan of your life right now, you would say, yep, I'm doing that. And your life would look something like this. I'm gonna show you this little diagram. That's what it would look like. Jesus at the center. Matt talked about that already this morning. Jesus at the center and then, you know, add in whatever circles make sense to you for your life and season of life right now, all the different things you do. And most of us would go, yeah, that's good. And if you're exploring faith, this is what faith in Jesus is about when we're talking about we believe instead of ourselves being at the center, Jesus is at the center. Have you ever been at the beach and gone for a swim and... Um, you know, having a great time, and then all of a sudden you turn around to look where your towel is on the sand and you realise you've drifted like a kilometre down the beach and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realise that I was drifting all this time. Then you have to do the long walk back up the beach. 
Sometimes that happens in our life and in our faith as well. Different seasons come, different challenges happen. We encounter all kinds of things in life and there are some times where things get a little bit out of control and instead of having Jesus at the centre, we get tempted to wanna grab hold of the reins and get ourselves back in the driver's seat because we're not sure if God's really got it covered. And sometimes without even realising it, just how sometimes you get caught in a rip at the beach, it ends up with life looking a bit like this and we end up back in the middle and Jesus becomes like a bolt-on, just another one of those things on the side that we kind of, it's important, but we're just kind of referencing it in when we need it or when it's convenient or when it makes sense to. And sometimes, you know what, I was thinking about this a bit this week after I'd already made this slide. Sometimes it's not even just us individually at the centre. Sometimes we put our kids there and we build our whole life around them. Or sometimes it might be your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or your husband or your wife. Um, or your family and you put your family in the middle and then everything else starts revolving around that and all the decisions you start making start going through that lens instead of through the lens that of having Jesus at the centre. And you know, it happens so subtly. Like you don't even realise it's happened. And so the invitation that I just want to extend to us today and as we go through this series is just this is an opportunity for a reset just to actually have a look across our lives and our relationships and go, all right, where am I? How's my foundation? A chance to reorient if you need to, just to reestablish that foundation, um, to hit the reset button. You know, check for mission drift. Have you heard that term before? We talk about that in organisational leadership a lot, mission drift. Like sometimes we've drifted right off the course and we haven't even realised, but we get an opportunity to check for that and just to reestablish that firm foundation in Jesus. Now we're gonna take a quick pause because I just wanna invite our parents of our primary um, kiddos and our junior youth young people to head out to our junior youth room and our primary room to have, they're gonna have a discipleship moment out there today, which is really exciting, talking about the firm foundation. So you can head on out. While they're doing that, question on the screen for you to chat with your neighbour about, with the people around you. What are the situations or seasons in life that can cause us that shift to happen and we find ourselves with ourselves at the centre instead of Jesus. Give you two minutes, chat to your friends. All right, you can keep chatting over coffee later. I'm gonna bring you back. Hopefully you had some good discussions there and some things came to mind for you. I was thinking about it this week, back over some times in, I thought, oh, when has this happened in my own life? And I thought, ah, oh, it's the times when you feel like your foundation's really solid, but then something happens and it shakes the foundations and you have that moment where you really think to yourself, God, I'm not confident that you have got this covered. I just really don't think you know what you're doing in this situation and I think I'm just going to take over here, if you don't mind. You, do, do you know that feeling? I've had that feeling so many times in my life where I've just thought, I just, God, I just cannot see what you're doing here and I'm just not sure that you're gonna show up and, and bring me through this one. And it's been, these are just a few examples I thought of, insert your own, but a few things I thought of were um, unexpected events. So a crisis, a trauma, maybe a, it's a death of a loved one or a major health issue. Those things that just absolutely shake you at your foundations and, and you know those, those situations in life where you just feel like someone's grabbed the rug and pulled it right out from under your feet 
and you, and you just are at sea and you think, I'm not quite sure how to move on from here. Those kinds of seasons are so challenging because we just wanna grab hold of any ounce of anything that we can control, don't we? And so I thought of that. I thought about um, major life changes, things like having a baby, so much joy and so much upheaval. In, you know, in a heartbeat, your whole life just kind of goes into chaos and you're in a season for a few years where you're really sleep deprived and um, you know, just trying to organise the time to catch up with another person can be a major challenge. And you think, how can, I even, how can I even get to church or get into community? Like my life's all over the shop and kids are sick every five seconds and you, that is a, is a challenging time. Maybe it's, um, you know, new opportunities at work or a, you've stepped out and taken a big risk in your business or made a big geographical move. Anyone ever made a big geographical move? Those sorts of things, when they don't always land maybe the way we thought they were gonna land and we find ourselves just thinking, oh God, I don't know, I don't know if you've got this. I think I might just need to step in and just move this forward. Or you know, when you're just tempted to force something before it's, it's due to happen. Um, might not be that for you, it might be things in relationships. Searching for a life partner, that's a big one. Um, you know, we wanna believe that the Lord has someone for us, but sometimes we get really tempted to rush that process or maybe settle for someone that doesn't share the same values as us because we're not quite sure. God, have you really got this? Have you really got this? Might be pressures with your kids. Um, maybe your kids are, have got some challenges at the moment or maybe you've got grown-up kids and you're trying to navigate how do you parent adult children and when they're not making decisions you would necessarily make and feeling that disconnect and know, wanting to grab hold and try and retain some level of control. There are so many examples. Um, I don't know what comes up for you, but that drift can occur very subtly when we find ourselves pushing Jesus sort of out to the side and, and putting ourselves in the centre. The thing is, though, as I thought about it this week, I thought, any time I've ever done that, it's never worked out. It might, have been, it might have been some progress like right at the start and it felt like finally some action's happening here. But then what has happened every time is that it's ended up being this experience of being like in sinking sand. And I've ended up, just personally, I've ended up feeling more battered, more tossed at sea, more bruised from the storms of life than I was in the first place. And so um, today I just really wanted to offer just a, just a handful of really practical like simple just things from the scriptures that I thought maybe might just help us just have a reset moment and go, okay, well, what would it look like to reset that foundation? And if we, have, we are in a season where you feel like maybe Jesus has drifted out of the center, what are just some really practical, simple things that we might do to help just reorient and get Jesus back in the center, back in the driver's seat, back at that strong foundation in our families, in our relationships, in our friendships, in our marriages, so that we've got something to build on over the coming weeks. Um, so first thing is this, locate yourself. This might sound so simple and basic, but actually if you don't know where you are, you don't know where to go from there. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, it's good to have a you are here moment. And so, you know, maybe just a couple of things to ask yourself and maybe reflect on this week with your life, in your family, whatever the Lord's stirring for you. Where are you and where is Jesus? If you were gonna do your own little mind map of your world, where are you, where's he, where are all the other things? Who's, who's in which spot right now? Um, and what place does Jesus hold in your marriage? What place does he hold in your relationship with your kids? And what place might you like him to hold 
Is there anywhere, anything that's drifted out of position that maybe needs to come back into alignment? Um, I love this, this beautiful locating prayer in Psalm 139. If you don't know where to start, start here. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love that because God doesn't expect us to know all the answers and which ways to go, but he, he, this prayer of David is like, Lord, lead me, you lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way that I need to go. So, you know, what is it that God might wanna show you? Is there anything you're anxiously gripping onto right now that you're struggling to maybe just be open-handed about? Um, which leads us into the second just thought I wanted to share today, which is about relinquishing control. Really easy to say, really, really hard to do, let's just be fair, but really important part of um, our faith in Jesus and our discipleship, that act of surrender, relinquishing control. Um, I'm using a lot of David's Psalms today, but it's because he knows what he's talking about, right? I love David. He says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, but for he grants sleep to those he loves. Um, one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, she uses this term called white knuckling it. Have you ever heard that term? When you are just striving and laboring and hustling so hard that your knuckles are white because you're just trying to make something happen and get something done. And I love the freedom in this scripture. It's hard to do, but to relinquish control is to stop white knuckling and to open our hands that way and let go and see the invitation from God there to trust and rest. And he promises sleep. How good does that sound? Instead of our anxious worrying and our striving and our toiling, he actually promises us sleep. I love that, it's beautiful. But it is, it's this, relinquishing control is like an internal movement of the heart and the soul, letting go and instead uh, taking a posture of partnering with the master builder's plan. Proverbs 16, four says it this way, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. It's good, we don't have to establish our own plans. Okay, the third thought, working the word into your life. I love how the message talked about it like that. I get this image of like a baker working dough or working yeast, what do they work into the dough, yeast? Working the yeast into the dough, but like really working it, working the word into your life. Or like, you know, um, brewing a pot of tea and you let that tea bag really steep and steep and steep so it infuses everything and you can smell it, you can taste it. That's what Jesus was saying to them in this scripture, to set a firm foundation in his word, to work the word into their life. You know, this is a roadmap for God's best life for you. If you don't know where to go and you need a lamp, it's a lamp. When you need a shield, it's a shield. When you need an anchor, it's an anchor. When you need a sword, it's a sword. It's everything in here is designed to help you live his best life for you in the world. It's not a history book, it's a now book. And it's also a future book. It is a history book, but it's also a now book and a future book. And so everything is in here that helps us. And so um, my question for us today is, do you have a rhythm for the word in your life? 
Do you have a rhythm for getting this into you? You know, you might have heard me say this before, but what you eat and drink today walks and talks tomorrow. Right? It's a good principle in, in terms of like what you actually eat because if you don't eat well, you will not feel well the next day. But it's the same with our spiritual lives. What you eat and drink today walks and talks tomorrow. So we've got to fill up on the good stuff, on the kingdom stuff, on the stuff that keeps us steady and upright when everything feels upside down. Right? And so having a rhythm for the Word in your life, not just a rhythm for reading it though, because this is designed for you to take it into your workplace tomorrow and go, right, I know how to deal with that that situation, I know how to have that conversation with that person. I know how to sit with my kids and work through this particular issue. I know how to make that financial decision because all of this is guiding you towards it. And so if you know what's in here, it's just gold. It's golden to help you navigate all the aspects of life. Someone says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, which is this, this is the word, and who meditates on this law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. All he does prospers. So a life that's established and rooted in the truth of scripture is a life that prospers, like a tree planted by streams of living water. So good, it's such a beautiful image. All right, fourthly, gotta keep moving. Do you know it's okay to have a big vision for your life? It's okay to have a big, beautiful vision for your marriage and a big, beautiful vision for your family, even if you don't have a family or a marriage yet. It's okay and good to have a big vision for it And, um, you know, Matt and I, we have a vision for our marriage. It's not like a poster on the wall that says, you know, um, marriages are us. Like, but it's a shared commitment to build a thriving, fun, adventurous relationship that stands the test of time. And it's a commitment to stay curious about each other, to stay amazed by each other. It's a shared commitment to keep walking towards each other and going in the same direction together. But we've got a vision for our marriage. And when we first um, were married, we were so blessed to have an older couple in our lives give us two pearls, absolute pearls of wisdom that have shaped, that have helped us shape a vision for our marriage. Because we didn't know that when we were first getting married, but they said to us, number one, never stop dating each other. And number two, create some shared values for your family, which we didn't have yet, but create some shared values for your marriage and for your family. And we've really held those, we've pondered them and we've sought to do that. You know, in different seasons of life, it's not always easy to keep dating each other when you're married. You know, you've got kids and babysitting and blah, all the things and, um, you know, so in different seasons, it needs to look like different things. But the, 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 the gold in it was, Don't get so familiar or take for granted that you're together all the time, but keep pursuing each other and building a life and building a future. And and so we really took that to heart and then creating some shared values. So for example, um, we have a shared value in our family of celebration. What that means for us is we mark the moments. So if it's birthdays, we do it big. If somebody's done something like, like, um, I don't know, um, when we're, 
Things like I got I finished my master's last year. We celebrated and we celebrated big. Whatever it is, they don't have to be, they might be small things, that, but it's big to you. Whatever it is, we just decided in our family that we, we have a value of celebration and we're trying to model that to our kids so that they carry that and they experience that in our family. Um, I hope we're doing a good job. You can ask them later. Um, you know, but we have another value of, we have trying to have a value of generosity. We wanna be generous with our finances, but we wanna be generous with our time, uh, with who we are, with the things, that, with our resources, with the things that we can do. And um, we've got a few others, but you know, an invitation to you today, do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your marriage? Do you have a vision for your family? Because you can have a big vision for it. And even if, let me just say this, sometimes, and this will be true for some in the room this morning, your vision for how you'd like your relationships to be and the current reality might feel worlds apart. And that, that jump might feel just impossible. Where I am and where I'd like to be, it's like, how am I ever gonna get there? But do you know what? This is, this is what vision is. Vision is being able to imagine something for the future and actively and prayerfully start moving towards it, even if it's just one tiny step at a time. And trusting that the Lord has an even bigger for your marriage and uh, an even bigger vision for you, for your relationships, for your marriage, for your family than you do. And so he is in the process and he is interested in helping bring restoration and reconciliation and new life and hope restored to all of those areas of your life and all of those relationships that you're thinking about right now. So a couple of questions. What are the opportunities in front of us to move towards greater health in our relationships? What's maybe just one thing you could do intentionally this week that would create health in one of the relationships in your world? And how is God inviting us to see and imagine our relationships, our families, our marriages through His eyes? Team, you can come and join me. Just one fifth and final point, and then I just wanna close with, with one other thought. But the fifth thing that I wanted to say today is be anchored in community. You know, often when the storms come, we have a, a tendency to retreat and batten down the hatches and life gets full and busy and we've got a lot going on. Sometimes we actually stop prioritising the thing that keeps us upright and steady and stable and going in the right direction. We stop prioritising that and that thing's community. Um, and you know, one of the greatest tools to guard against drifting and um, is being tethered to someone or being tethered to a group of people. And you know, um, I wonder for you in your own life, you know, when things get challenging and busy and full and you start drifting, who's there to throw the, the life ring out and just help pull you back in? Because that's what we do for one another. And that's the joy of community. And, um, you know, these are the things that help us keep Jesus at the centre, being connected to a community of people who know you, who, who really know you, who see you, who are championing you and wanting to see God's best for you. You know, Hebrews 10 um, this, it says it this way, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
And you know, it's not, it's not as simple as just turning up to church every Sunday. I mean, at, at Discovery, we really value church and we will always tell you and encourage you and implore you to make church a priority in your life and for your family, because we really believe in it. But it's gotta be bigger than that, because in a big church like ours, you could easily come and, and easily go and, you know, it's, so there's got to be other expressions of faith in community. And we know that even physically getting here for some people isn't possible. So what are the other places of community that we can be tethered to? Maybe it's a life group. Maybe it's a small group of friends. Maybe it's a team that you serve in, but being tethered to someone. So a couple of, just a couple of things to think about um, this week. Do you currently have a community of people spurring you on? Or is God inviting you to perhaps be that community for someone else? that you might be able to spur them on. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to finish in just a minute. I hope that's okay today, but I'm really just wanting to invite you, just take the opportunity today and over the course of the week just to have a little bit of a reset and just to consider um, how the foundations are. Are there any little shifts and, and tweaks that, that you want to make? But you know something I've been thinking about um, how many people have ever renovated, renovated anything in your house? Oh gosh, um, it's so great when it's done, but the process, right? It's always longer than you think it's gonna be. The budget always blows out. It's really cool, like on the plan, but the process of getting there sometimes is a lot of pain and discomfort along the way and a lot of mess and dust and all the stuff. and. Um, I was thinking, I actually wonder if in this series, the Lord's just doing a bit of renovation work in us, in our hearts, in our families, in our marriages, and um, the invitation to lean into that even when it, it's a little bit painful and there's some discomfort. Because sometimes we can confuse the renovation work God wants to do in us for a storm that's external. And actually He wants to, He's starting with us and He wants to build something significant and beautiful. And um, I just wanted to finish by encouraging you with this beautiful uh, quote from C.S. Lewis. He says this, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you understand what He's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew those jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, He starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers and making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. I'd love to invite you to stand. Do, do you know church this morning that the Lord's building a palace in your life. You know, sometimes our thinking and our vision is too small and all we see is a cottage. And for some of you, you think, you know, my, my house doesn't even look like a cottage. It looks like a shanty at the moment. It's falling down everywhere and it's okay. But, but, but know today that the Lord's building a palace in your life. And even if it feels impossible to you with your natural eyes and, and, and just with your faith this morning. Let me just speak it over you. He's building a palace with your life and He's building a palace in your family and He's building a palace in your marriage and He's building a palace in your relationships. 
And the best part about it is He's the builder and the invitation is to allow Him to build, to do His job and just to partner with Him in the plan. And so I just wanna pray over you this morning because I know that coming in today, I'm sure there are many of you who are sitting in the room today thinking, oh gosh, some things are in a mess in my life right now and there are some relationships that are not where I'd like them to be and it's causing you pain and it's causing you grief. And I really wanna pray over that and I wanna pray over you that vision of a palace that from ruins can become a palace. And we're gonna believe for that together over the coming weeks. And so Father, I just thank You that, wow, You're doing something new in our lives, Lord. You're doing a deep renovating work and you're starting with us and your heart is to see new life and restoration and reconciliation come to us in our own lives, Lord, in our friendships, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, but Lord, more than that, right across our community and our region. And so Lord, we just surrender afresh to you today and we pray, come and be at the centre come and be at the centre. Would you re-establish our foundation in you today, God, as we fix our eyes on you and we just offer you, God, the pieces of pain in our world right now, Lord, in our lives, in our relationships, God, the things that are out of whack and not going well. And God, I thank you that you are the master builder and I pray, God, bring healing and bring hope restored, bring restoration, God, bring reconciliation, Lord, I pray for families that are estranged, Lord, that there would be uh, fresh beginnings, God, and new chapters opening, Lord. I pray where there's strain in relationships, Lord, that you would just bring wisdom and a way forward through your word. Would you refresh us in this season, Lord? And Lord, would, um, would we watch you build something beautiful in our lives? And would would you help us to partner with you in the process? So come Holy Spirit, I pray, do a new thing. Do a new thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Discovery Church podcast. It is our mission that every heart is found in Jesus' story. If you were moved by this episode, please take 30 seconds to share it on your social media. It only takes a couple of seconds to create life-changing impact.